Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Galaxy's Roundup. I'm your host, Mike Browning, and I am so excited to be here today. I'm so excited to hang out with you all. Really glad to be back in the booth, surrounded by my Black Series figures. I've got my light up, Death Star lit up. I actually have a playthrough of Shadows of the Empire on Nintendo 64. I have it playing on the laptop to the left of me. Just creating the whole vibe in here, man. Creating the atmosphere, keeping myself mired in this universe that I love so, so, so very much. And I'm sure you heard, you know, the last episode, because I love this stuff so much, I get kind of passionate sometimes. And I know the last episode had a little bit different of a tone than, than how I typically speak on the show here. And uh, if you didn't like it, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I hope that you found it insightful. I had some things on my mind and on my heart that I just wanted to get out there. Please don't expect a whole lot of that on this show. This show is dedicated to celebrating Star Wars. So that's behind us. We're back at it. We're back in the booth. And I'm ready to share some Star Wars thoughts with you all. Before we get the ball rolling, I will mention that the podcast is on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash galaxiesroundup. You can contribute over there monthly if you would like to. You don't have to. The podcast is 100% free. None of this content will ever be locked behind any kind of paywall or anything like that. But if you do want to contribute, you can do that at patreon.com slash galaxiesroundup. Before we get started today, uh, I will mention this just broke right before I started to record. Apparently a member of our community, his name's Corey Van Dyke, he lives in South Florida, uh, he's missing, he was last seen at the Four Seasons Resort near Orlando, so if you're in the Florida area and you have any information on Corey, uh, just contact your local authorities, um, I'm praying, really praying for him to have a safe return, uh, any, anytime something like this happens, it's super stressful, very, very, very sad, I hope, hope everything's okay with Corey, my thoughts are with him and his family. So, Corey, if you're out there, man, I hope you make it home safe. We're pulling for you, brother. So, I've had a few people ask me about what kind of equipment that I use to record Galaxy's Roundup. They've asked me about the mic that I use and what kind of programs that I use. So, I figured I would just take a second and let you all know what kind of stuff that I use to bring this show to you every week. The microphone that I use is a Blue Yeti. It's really popular among gamers. A lot of people live stream using the microphone because it's a USB microphone. It's really easy for things like that. It plugs directly into your laptop or any recording device that takes a USB port. You can record using your Blue Yeti directly into that. There are a lot of benefits to using XLR microphones and using an additional uh, audio recording device and then just, you know, recording to an SD card and putting that into your laptop and then editing your audio that way. There are benefits to that. The big benefit is if you have like an H6 or like a a Scarlett audio interface, something like that that records multiple channels, the benefit of using something like that is if you have multiple people talking and you record into multiple channels, if you have all those separate audio files, you can edit them individually as opposed to just one audio file from, from the Yeti. But for what I'm doing on the show, just one voice, the Blue Yeti is absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect for what I'm doing. If you're starting a podcast yourself, the Blue Yeti might be the way to go. It's a little bit more on the, in, uh, the inexpensive side of the microphones in, in the market. It's around 120 125 I think, which isn't bad. If you, look at, if you look at that compared to a lot of other microphones, that's not bad at all. I mean, I think the Rode Procasters, like two or $300.00. They make fantastic mics, but I'm telling you, if, if you run it through the right programs and you watch, you know, some tutorials on how to how to get the audio sounding the way that you want it to sound, getting that kind of radio bassier sound to it, 
you can get some incredible quality out of a microphone like the Blue Yeti or like the, I think Yeti also makes the Snowball. It's like a ball form, uh, shaped like microphone. I've heard podcasts recorded on that that sound absolutely fantastic too. So you don't got to go out and drop upwards of $500 on on recording hardware to get your stuff to sound good, man. It just depends on uh, how much time you want to put into it. There's a million and one YouTube tutorials out there. It's how I learned. I had no idea how to do this stuff before my last podcast. I was completely, completely green to it all. And I did a podcast with uh, another gentleman, and he had no interest in, in doing any of the editing and anything like that, which is totally fine. I took it on myself to learn all of it, and because of that, I was able to take that discipline and use those tools to bring you all Galaxy's Roundup. So I'm super thankful that I had that opportunity to learn it all myself, but it just goes to show, man, there's so much help out there. If you're just getting started and you're looking for an inexpensive microphone to use right out of the gate that's really easy to set up and really easy to learn, Blue Yeti. I cannot I cannot suggest that one enough. Now as far as the programs that I use, like I was saying, the Blue Yeti is a USB mic so I can record directly into my laptop and I record, I capture the audio in a program, completely free program called Audacity. Very, very easy to use. It's very user-friendly. It's how I started recording audio, and I'm still recording the audio with that program to this day. There are limits to editing the the audio after you get done recording it, but as far as just capturing the audio itself to be a free program, it's absolutely fantastic. Literally, all you need is a a laptop that will run it, which which isn't that bad. It doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, if you're recording three and four and five hour shows, you might want to get you an external hard drive to back some of that stuff up. But if you're doing something uh, something smaller like I'm doing, I, I do 30, 40, 50 minutes each episode. It's perfect for something like that. Absolutely perfect. Audacity is really easy to use. And like I said, it's a free download. If you are If you are looking for additional editing options, I use Adobe Audition. It is like $20 a month for, for Adobe Audition, but it's absolutely fantastic. There's all kinds of different uh, audio editing and uh, uh, preset tools that you can use. You can just hit a preset and listen to your audio with all kinds of already adjusted levels to see what you like. You don't have to be an editing guru. You don't even have to be a, a guru with Adobe Audition. There's still so much that I don't know about Adobe Audition. It's a very, very detailed program. And I will say that you can get an awesome quality out of your stuff without using Audition at all. You can just use Audacity and mess with the few tools that that program has and do incredible stuff like that. There's plenty of podcasts out there that just use Audacity. They don't run it through any kind of other program, and they sound fantastic. And, and maybe, maybe I don't know a whole lot about Audacity. There might be you know, so many options on Audacity to get your audio to sound just like Audition, that I don't know about. It's just what it's just what I'm using. I use a preset called Music Enhancer. There's actually one on there on in Audition called Podcast Voice, but it's it's real bassy, and uh, if, that, if that's what you're going for, it's perfect. I like to have a little bit more of a mid range with some bass to it because I like for it to sound like I'm kind of having a conversation with you all, and the bassiness in it reminds you that you are listening to a show. But I like for it to sound a little more organic than just sort of you know, radio announcer style. I like it to sound a little more like you and I are just sitting down, having a conversation, unpacking Star Wars together. So that's why I use the Music Enhancer, uh, the preset, because Music Enhancer, it has a wide range of adjusted levels 
that you would adjust in like music audio. You've got your treble, you've got bass, you've got your mid, you've got bass, you've got gain, you've got a hard limiter, you've got the speech volume leveler. You've got all these different things that are already preset to specific levels in Music Enhancer that I really, really enjoy how they make the the, the recorded voice audio sound. So that's what I use. Like I said, it's a, everybody's different. There are tons of podcasts recorded out there on, on different things using different mics that sound fantastic. I jumped into it really quick with my last podcast. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We actually did a GoFundMe to get the equipment that I'm still using for Galaxy's Roundup. We did a GoFundMe, and we raised a little bit, and we got mics. I got the laptop. So uh, it, there are really inexpensive ways of doing it out there, and I do want to offer any kind of help that I can. If you're starting a podcast, you're brand new, I don't know everything. I know a little bit. I'm completely self-taught. I have no formal training in any of this stuff. And I'm still learning every single day. But I've noticed on Twitter there's a lot of people that are starting uh, Star Wars podcasts. If you want any kind of help, if I can be of any kind of service, man, I, I will do anything I can to help you get your show off the ground. Uh, I, I love the idea of helping other people get content out there because I think the more people start producing things and the more voices are out there, it's just a happier environment. And the more all of us can be creatively fulfilled and live in this world together. So if you're out there, I just want to extend an olive branch. If you want any kind of help, if I can help in any way, I certainly will. And I, I would love that. Just inbox me. I'll help any way that I can. So I use Blue Yeti microphone to record the audio. I capture it in Audacity. And then I use Adobe Audition to, uh, to edit it. And then, of course, I switched all of my stuff over to Anchor. I was on Podomatic, but I switched over to Anchor. Anchor is free. Anchor is super easy to use. And there are podcasts that are just recorded on Anchor that sound absolutely fantastic. Neil Lowry's show, Cloud Car Copilot, sounds fantastic. Neil utilizes that app and that program, I think, the best way possible. Really, really, really awesome show. So, now that we've geeked out over all the tech, let's talk about a specific individual. An individual that I hold so very dear to my heart. This man wrote the soundtrack to my childhood and my adulthood, and he continues to write the soundtrack to my life every day. John Williams. The man is almost, he's mythical at this point, isn't he? I, th I thought back the other day about the first time I, I watched Home Alone, and the first thing that got me was the music that and you can pick John Williams music out of an infinite lineup you hear a little bit of a melody and you know that that's John Williams George Lucas himself credits John Williams calling him the secret sauce of Star Wars now I want you to, to look back close your eyes for just a second and think back to all of the times that you've watched Star Wars. And I want you to try to imagine a different score. It's impossible to even conceive of that. If you try for a second. Now that's not to say. That's not to say that there are not other brilliant composers out there. Michael Giacchino's work in Rogue One. Having roughly maybe a month to write that music. Absolutely incredible. And I 
I have so much praise for John Powell. The score to Solo, well, we're going to talk a whole lot about Solo a little bit later, and I will talk about the score, but really fast, John Powell's score in Solo, absolutely remarkable. But if you think about the saga films, and you think about the work that John Williams has done in Star Wars, if you try to picture, if you try to, if you try to hear any other arrangements, if you hear, try to hear any other flair in the music, it would just be different. And I started thinking, how much of what we love about Star Wars do we owe to John Williams? I think about that all the time. I, I'm involved in music myself. I've, I've been playing music for a really long time. And I really focus on the music in a film when I listen to it. But it doesn't take a musician. It doesn't take someone already in that universe. But melody, intriguing melody that captures you, that captures everybody. It puts you in that moment. It creates that moment. Now, there are moments in films that work really well with silence. That's for sure. That works sometimes, depending on what you're trying to convey to the audience. But the right kind of music over certain parts creates those parts for me. Yoda's theme. I'm sorry, I got to do it with my mouth, but I I don't want to risk putting the actual clips of music on here and getting in trouble. But Yoda's theme. Ah, I it's I get I get emotional every single time that I hear it, and I'll tell you a specific time. It's it's been a couple weeks back. I was out late with my kid. I had taken her to tumbling. And it's dark whenever it's done. It's over at like 8 o'clock at night. And she usually goes to bed at 8 around that time, except for on tumbling nights. So we got in the car, and we're a few miles down the road. You know, we're about 15 minutes away from, from the house. So about five miles down the road, and she goes to sleep. Now, I've got my songs on just an infinite loop. You know, it's mainly Star Wars soundtrack stuff. There's a lot of metal in there. It's just it's a smorgasbord of music. So she falls to sleep. And one song ends, and then Yoda's theme begins. And there was something about that moment, man, of looking back at her asleep. And then those notes, those notes fill in the car. And I started thinking about all the Star Wars moments that I shared with her. And thinking about what's creating this atmosphere right now is that man's score. Is that he makes those moments that are already so incredibly precious. He just puts that cherry on top of them. Moments like that. Moments like looking at your child. And, and, and just not being able to feel any more proud than you already are. And all of that love. That certain kind of love. And then his music kicks in. And... I was a wreck. <laughs> I was a wreck. I was a wreck on the way home, man. I was I was an emotional wreck in the car on the way home. I uh, I, I tell you I tell you what I did. I, I I doubled down and I put the song on repeat. <laughs> I put the song on repeat so it could just play over and over and over because I didn't want that to end. I didn't want that moment to end. I wanted to keep looking in my rearview mirror and seeing my baby girl asleep. And hearing that music, it was the perfect soundtrack and it was the perfect end to a perfect day with her. It's little things like that, that I, 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 I'm sure John Williams, I'm sure people have, have came up to him and, and, and thanked him and told them, you know, how they feel about his music. But I, I, just, I don't think that that man will ever truly understand 
what his work has meant to us. I mean, and even outside of Star Wars, it's just, like I said, he created the soundtrack to my childhood. And just like that moment in the car the other day, he's still writing the soundtrack to my life. He still is. He's an older gentleman. I know that he's not going to be around forever. I'm very thankful for the amount of work that he has done. He has blessed us with so many memorable themes and and parts and so much incredible, incredible music. My wife and I were watching Harry Potter the other day. Dude, he just creates the world before you even get to see it. He just creates it for you. You close your eyes, you hear those notes, you hear that melody, and you're there. Dude, the Force theme? Think about 1977. The Force theme? When have you ever heard anything that mystical, that mythical sounding? Before 1977, nobody was doing that. That's why George Lucas calls him the secret sauce of Star Wars. It's not taking any credit away from the brilliant writers, directors, and actors. They, they have pulled their own weight to bring us incredible Star Wars content. But at the center of all of that, for me personally, I credit John Williams for how much I love Star Wars. I do. I do. For me, it all comes back to him. Empire Strikes Back, the first time I heard the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack on vinyl, it was, it was literally like a religious experience for me. That movie is, that movie is a gauntlet of themes, of memorable themes. So much to the point that John Powell on the solo, uh, the solo soundtrack, guys, I almost said solo too just now. That's how much we're talking about it. I almost had a slip and said solo too, and that is a good thing. But Solo, in Solo, there's a song on the soundtrack called Reminiscence Therapy. And he called it that for a reason, because it is just a love letter to John Williams. And the asteroid theme music, man, the, the chase to the asteroid theme. Oh my god. You are in the cockpit of the Falcon. You're in the cockpit of the Falcon. You're dodging asteroids. Leia's to the right of you looking at you like you're a crazy person. Chewie's going crazy. Why are you flying through an asteroid field? And then, bam, there's this break. He's doing it. He's getting through the asteroids. In that moment, not only do you just feel the danger, but you feel the adventure. And you're falling even more in love with Han. This guy is crazy, but it just might work. We don't know it until we try. It's a celebration of emotion. That's what keeps me so invested in this universe, man. I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to meet John Williams. I don't know. Uh, I would I would love to. I'm on the, the East Coast, so I know I think he lives in California. A lot of what goes on in Star Wars is in California and England. So I get to enjoy this stuff from a distance. I don't enjoy it any less because I don't get to experience it. We do have Galaxy's Edge in Florida, which is, ah, I can't wait for that. That's happening next August. I got a while to wait, but it's going to be well worth it. If I ever had a chance to meet John Williams, I would, I would hope in the very limited time that I have with him that I could articulate and express my admiration for what he's done 
and how much it's affected me. I can only hope that I could find the right words to really, really get that message across. Because he is a brilliant, brilliant, beautiful man. And he's created so many memorable things for us to enjoy. So, I just wanted to take a few minutes and celebrate John Williams. And thank him on Galaxy's Roundup. Officially from Galaxy's Roundup to John Williams. Thank you. I love you so much. Alright, so, speaking of Solo. You like Solo, right? I adore Solo. A whole, whole lot. I gotta say, Chewie and Han, their meeting, how they met that scene, man, I I gotta throw it out there. That's in my top three Star Wars scenes. It's absolutely incredible. I'll say that they, they got me on this one. When I first watched it, when I first sat down and watched Solo in the theater, I didn't know that it was gonna be Chewie down there. I thought, okay, well, we've got kind of a you know, a, a raincore, sarlacc pit sort of situation going on where they just throw him down there and he's got to fight this monster. I didn't know that it was going to be Chewie. I did not know. They got me on that one. And when you see him slowly crawling out of that that dark cave down there and it, all of that fur is matted and then it cuts and you see him and he growls. Guys, I got a little choked up. I got a little choked up. I was excited, but I was sitting there thinking about, like, the conditions that they had him in, man. Like, it's so pitiful, and it's so... I have I have a deep, deep-seated love for animals, anyway. And, and Chewie, I mean, Wookiees are real to me, right? They're real. They're real to me. It was like seeing a dog. It was like seeing a, a precious little dog that's been, that's been neglected and mistreated, and its hair is all matted, and they just throw its scraps. That's what it reminded me of. It really broke my heart. But realizing that that's how they meet in those circumstances. Dude, I started thinking about, during that scene, I started thinking about all the other times we get to see them together throughout the entire saga. And how this is how that beautiful union formed. Unbelievable. Kudos to Ron Howard. My hat's off to that entire crew, to John Caston, Lawrence Caston, for writing such an incredible, incredible story. You all, this movie was supposed to be underwhelming. Even even the Star Wars optimist, even all of us that were really excited in the community, it was supposed to be underwhelming because all we heard up until release was all of the technical issues that they had. Switching directors, Alden Ehrenreich supposedly needing an acting coach, and not even just him, other people needing an acting coach. There was there was all of this anxiety among all of us that were still excited to see it, and we're going to see it and, and enjoy it regardless because it's Star Wars. But there was still this anxiety that, like, man, it's going to be very obvious that there were technical hiccups in this thing and that they've been in sort of production purgatory throughout the process. I was nervous. I was really nervous. Do not get me wrong. I was really nervous. I, I, I did not want it to come off like it was just thrown together, and I was scared that that's what it was going to be. I, I've I've never been more wrong about anything in my life, especially Star Wars. It became my favorite Star Wars film under Disney. It entertained me from the first frame to the last frame. And Alden Ehrenreich crushed the role. Donald Glover crushed the role. Guys, those are iconic, legendary characters. I had faith from the beginning with those two guys, but of course, you know, there was so much controversy around 
the casting. There's just nothing any studio, anybody can do these days that's not going to receive so many crazy reactions across the board, you know, which I talked a whole lot about in the last episode. But there was there was just all of this controversy around Alden Ehrenreich needing an acting coach and 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 all this stuff not being able to bring you know something new to a character that's so well established. Guys, I, <laughs> he just answered the call of duty and smashed it. He smashed it. I hope, I hope and pray that we get to see more Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo and more Donald Glover as Lando. I would absolutely love that. Which brings me to. The next thing, which is this huge, huge movement to make another solo happen. I cannot be more on board with this. If this is the kind of Star Wars that you want, if this is the kind of Star Wars that you like, it's my favorite aspect of the galaxy. The bounty hunters, the grit. That's always been my favorite. I've always related to that side of the galaxy and that side of those stories more. It's just always been what I, what I really enjoy. If we want that, man, man, oh man, I, I love seeing when you see it, retweet it. Now, I know that Solo didn't do great financially. I know that. I know that. It did, it, it did not do great. In comparison to other Star Wars films, it didn't do a lot at all. Okay, I get it. And it didn't do well financially for a multitude of reasons. Uh, it, it is a fantastic film, even outside of Star Wars. Very comprehensive plot, cohesive storytelling, the dialogue was fantastic, the delivery was fantastic, the soundtrack was, oh my god, on another level, the pacing was fantastic. Pacing in a film like this can get tricky. It can get tricky. It's a brand new story. I mean, the pacing in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, those movies move at breakneck speed, and the reason being is they have they have a lot of story to tell. There's a lot they, they have to cover. they got to cover a lot of ground and those two, two and a half hours. Solo felt completely free of that burden. Not even just in the lore and, and, and not having to adhere to the Force and, and all of that, but the freedom to take their time and give us more of these awesome characters in this really fun, adventurous, gritty, western Star Wars movie. I mean, it plays like Wyatt Earp and James Bond fused together in a Star Wars film. That's what it reminds me of. Han reminds me of Wyatt Earp. Lando reminds me of James Bond. It's such a beautiful, beautiful marriage of all of these awesome concepts that make up that side of Star Wars. I adore it, man. I, I would absolutely love to see a Solo too. I would love to see it. And if we want to see it, we should keep talking about it, man. We should, we should just assume, we should assume that if we keep bringing it up and keep it at the forefront of, of what we what we want to see in Star Wars, then we should keep talking about it, man. Keep retweeting it. Keep making posts about it. I think that the, the ones of us on Twitter, the ones that are really active and talk about Star Wars back and forth a lot during the day, we should start diving into a whole lot more of Solo 2 uh, ideas. We should start talking about, you know, what would be a really cool direction to take that story. Obviously, we want to see more Darth Maul and, and more Kira, which I think would make an awesome TV show uh, on its own by itself. The whole idea of Crimson Dawn, Shadow Collective. I mean, that could be an entire series on its own. And don't let me forget to mention one other huge thing that Solo did is this revelation around L3 and the Millennium Falcon. Guys, if, if, you, if you notice, Han always refers to the Falcon 
as her, she, and Lando does as well. Now, why do you think that is? That's because they uploaded L3's memory, her mainframe, her GPS coordinating system, into the Falcon. That is the Falcon's data bank now. L3 is. L3 is the Falcon. The Falcon is part droid. And L3 was a female. So they always refer to the ship as a her. Guys, when, when that got dropped on me in Solo, it, it broke me apart. It broke me apart. I mean, of course, Lando's reaction to losing L3 in that firefight on Kessel, that, of course, that was hard, too, because they were really close. She was very sassy, but he absolutely loved that droid. But now that she gets to live forever in the Falcon, and if you remember in Empire Strikes Back, when C-3PO is, like, kind of having a spat with the Falcon, like, back and forth, like, the Falcon's communicating with 3PO, and it's got an attitude. Why do you think that is? L3. I got I got chills up my spine when that happened in the film, and I realized you piece all of that together from the original trilogy and just all of this personality that the Falcon has, that's what makes the Falcon just not another ship. It has memories. It can communicate. It has a personality now. Uh, I adore it. And the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, you all. I watched I watched the trailer again to the Mandalorian. Like five times this morning. I truly believe John Favreau is giving us a treasure. I think he's just handing us a treasure. And and what's so cool is the episodes are going to be released weekly. Now Netflix dumps an entire season on there and you can binge things. And that's cool. There there are ups to that. If you if you have the time and you want to binge a show on Netflix. It's there for you to do that. You don't have to wait in between the episodes. You can go right to the next one after you finish one. But I love the idea, especially it being Star Wars, man. I love the idea of waiting a week in between the episodes. I love that. I adore that. Because the content can marinate. You don't get so overwhelmed with it. You can take, you can walk away. You can walk away from your TV after watching an episode and just let it sit for a while and really pick it apart. And and it offers an opportunity for people like us, you know, people that are doing shows, doing Star Wars podcasts, where they got a YouTube channel, whatever it is. It will give us time to talk about each episode and really speculate and really get amped for the next one. If there's a ton of us out there that have already seen the entire season before one person gets one review or one discussion of the first episode up, I don't know, man. That's just not as special, I don't think. I think getting that time in between the episodes to really talk about it and celebrate it together, man, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. I adore the way it looks. I adore the way that it sounds. Carl Weathers is back. You all, Werner Herzog and Carl Weathers are in a Star Wars television show together. I want you to think about that sentence that I just said. Think about that for just a second. Carl Weathers and Werner Herzog are in a Star Wars television show together. Before The Mandalorian, those were three incredibly random ideas to think about together. <laughs> I would, I didn't think about that together. If I thought about Carl Weathers, I wasn't thinking about Star Wars. If I thought about Warner Herzog, I wasn't thinking about Star Wars. 
And when I ever thought about Star Wars, Carl Weathers and Warner Herzog never crossed my mind. That's what makes it so brilliant. This is such an awesome union of so much incredible talent. So unconventional. So outside of the box. I truly think it's going to be very, very special. And it's the first live-action Star Wars television show that we got. I'm pumped, man. I am pumped through the roof for The Mandalorian. And I want a solo, too. That would be fantastic. And I absolutely adore John Williams. And in addition to loving all those things, I love you all. And I really hope you enjoyed today's show. A Day on Ord Mantell Part 2 is coming next week. I hope you're excited. It's very, very, very fun writing that story. It's going to be a few episodes long. I hope you like it. I hope you like all the five-minute shorts. I've done a few so far. There's a day on Tatooine, a day on Canto Bite, a day on Indoor, a day on Ord Mantell. I hope you're enjoying them. I'm enjoying making them, and I hope you're enjoying Galaxy's Roundup. I love you all so, so very much. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do that. It's patreon.com slash galaxiesroundup. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at gsroundup. I talk about Star Wars a lot on there. I share a lot of, I share the shows. Of course, I share the links to the shows. I share a lot of pictures. There's a lot of additional like show type stuff that I do on Twitter. I'm always communicating with other Star Wars podcasts. If you want to follow me on there, there's tons of other really great shows too. If you follow one Star Wars podcast, chances are you're going to be exposed to a lot of them, which is a fantastic thing. There are a lot of really cool people talking about Star Wars out there, and there is just infinite, infinite hours of celebration for you to go and dive into. But that's the show for today. I love you all so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and talking about Star Wars. You are what makes the show so much fun to do. Until next time, may the Force be with you. I'll talk to you soon.